What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast Week 11 look at the Carolina Panthers' 20-0 victory over the Detroit Lions. You know, I had to watch this game to get a feel on what both offenses are going to do going forward. You know, there was the change at quarterback, not that Teddy has been usurped by P.J. Walker, but just that Teddy wasn't able to play the game today. You know, Teddy was a game-time decision in this game, so he may be back as soon as next week, and all this could be for naught as far as what P.J. Walker's tendency are, what does he bring to the table. But I wanted to see it anyway. You know, I watched this guy for the XFL season. He definitely looked like an interesting prospect and I think they should be some sort of XFL or spring league just for guys like this that kind of got lost through the cracks for whatever reason whether it be a size or whatever it is that kind of led everybody to not even give PJ Walker a try I can tell you that PJ Walker absolutely has enough juice to be a backup in the NFL there's no doubt about that he's just 5'11 is the issue I believe that's why he got looked over a bit. And when he doesn't have the most accurate arm in the whole world, it certainly doesn't lend itself to getting drafted and getting a chance like a lot of these guys that are more statuesque and fit the part a little bit better from a look standpoint than what P.J. Walker brings to the table. But leagues like the XFL give these guys a chance to show that they're a gamer and to show that they have juice enough for the NFL by showing out against close to NFL-style talent in the XFL. So kudos to P.J. Walker for doing so, and I think he may have parlayed this game into a much bigger contract later on as a backup. So while I don't think he has starter upside just because of his size and because of his arm strength, I just know that he's a lot better than some of the backups I've seen been rolled out there by a lot of these teams. Now, it could be that Joe Brady just is really that good an offensive coordinator and that he's really setting these Carolina Panthers up in a great position. That could be the case. I certainly felt like today that the Carolina Panthers outcoached the Detroit Lions, and that was a big reason for this win. Uh, A lot of that had to do with the way Carolina played defense today, but it also had to do with what they were doing on offense. You know, Detroit certainly isn't one of the worst defenses in the league, and they have some players. So the fact that they were able to do what they did today with P.J. Walker is a testament not only to the offense but to P.J. and to Joe Brady. I love the way that this team is being coached by Matt Rule. I kind of wonder how much of that is Joe Brady as far as the offensive coordinator part of that is, but you can't deny that the team is playing hard that they're kind of moving in the same direction, and it feels like there's definitely something to the Carolina Panthers. So I'm impressed by Matt Rule. Carolina Panthers should certainly be excited about that hire. And while I don't know if P.J. Walker or Teddy Two Gloves are the answer long-term at quarterback, I think they can get by, and I think they can you know, continue to play well with them. Now, they haven't stacked up the wins like they might could have, you know, had everything come together a little earlier on. But the fact that they've done what they've done with this team and the way they've improved over the season is certainly something to be excited about. Now, I was hoping that PJ would offer a little bit more with his legs. And while he was moving around the pocket just fine, and he's definitely not statuesque back there, I was hoping that he had just a little bit more speed to take the cap off the defense a bit. 
doesn't feel like he's going to be able to run away from linebackers and the faster defensive linemen. So I was hoping that that would be a little different, that he would have a little bit more speed as far as, you know, being able to be an NFL talent. But like I said, with him not being a statue back there and with him having the ability to take advantage of open field in front of him, I don't see that being an issue for him going forward, you know, should he have to start again. And you know what? He probably does have a little bit more pop on his fastball than Teddy Bridgewater does. But he doesn't have as good an idea of where it's going as Teddy does. And I don't think he has that calm, cool demeanor of Teddy that a veteran would have. And kudos to him for showing that because he doesn't have as much NFL seasoning as other guys his age. So kudos to Teddy on being able to put that through. Now, it wasn't a perfect day for P.J. Walker by any means. Certainly, there's a lot to be desired as far as his passing goes. But it was better than I expected. And I think he's capable of going into a game and giving you a little pop and giving you something from the quarterback position. So I like him as a long-term backup. I think he made himself some money today with this game. Now, like I said, wasn't perfect. You know, I don't think the QBR or the ratings were really excited about the way he passed the ball, but I don't think I had such big expectations for him Kind of like when I watched Hop Tub Time Machine, I wasn't really expecting that to be a good movie, but then it was. And I wasn't really expecting P.J. Walker to be a, NFL, a good NFL backup, but I think he can be. So I think he, in the meantime, you know, should Teddy not be able to come back next week, I think he can you know, continue the offense to the point where you could use your Carolina options at that point. Now, it was the Detroit Lions, and it was just one game film. So certainly he could fall back to earth at any point, but at the same time, I like what I saw and it was impressive that he was able to do what he did. And of course the Vikings aren't that crazy a matchup. So if he has to go in there against Minnesota, you know, it's not like Minnesota has been a world beater on defense and Carolina overall doesn't have a crazy, crazy schedule. I mean, it is Vikings, Broncos, Packers, Washington at this point. And then, of course, Saints week 17 when the game doesn't matter for fantasy purposes. So Broncos, Packers, Washington, it's definitely not the most inviting schedule I've ever seen. So if it is P.J. Walker and you're looking to start him over someone that has a little bit more standing, I don't know that those matchups are going to be juicy enough for me to go there. But if you need somebody with a pulse and you're in a two-quarterback league, you might look at that because he does definitely have more than just – well, really more than Ryan Finley or those type of backups where the offense is going to crater likely. Now, like I said, with P.J. Walker in there or with Teddy Two Gloves, there's certainly options as far as both the running and the passing game goes. It's been a little bit hard to predict on the receiving game as far as who's going to get the touches, who's going to get the targets. And uh, certainly D.J. Moore was on top of that today. At one point, you would have thought that was going to be Robbie Anderson. At the beginning of the season, you would have thought it was DJ Moore as far as who was going to be the most productive. And if the passing game was a little bit more prolific and had a little bit more volume, I think it would be a better overall situation. You might even be looking at both of them as wide receiver twos because they do have the talent. I was a little skeptical on Robbie Anderson as far as being an overall talent in the NFL, but I'll tell you, he certainly does, and he surprised me in that way. And while he hasn't found the end zone in some time, he is getting the targets, and it's probably killing you a little bit that he hasn't found the end zone a bit, but 
I'm telling you that the, t- the talent's there. It's just the volume on the other side of the equation. The, the actual opportunity isn't as there. And while they and they also spread the ball around a bit to their main three targets. When you also factor in Curtis Samuel in there, so it does kind of spread out everything and make them all a little bit harder to trust. But if you're in a wide receiver three situation, or maybe you're in a more desperate flex situation, I can see you getting behind Curtis Samuel. I can see you getting excited about Robbie Anderson because, I mean, Curtis had 10 targets, DJ had 11, and Robbie had nine. So he was definitely hitting his top options when he was out there, and it looked like all three of them were healthy. So that gives them a little bit more explosion. And when Christian McCaffrey isn't back there, I think that's going to mean that they're going to have to use those targets as the explosive part of their offense. And if the defense can continue to play like it's been playing, then that can be a good situation for DJ Moore, for the rest of the offense, by being set up in better situations overall. And it's not like the running game had been overall dominant where they could lean on that only either. They had to pass. They're, they're having to pass as a part of this because it's just, it just hasn't been there as far as you know really, really dominantly running the ball. Now, they're still doing it, and they're still having some success, but it still leads you to kind of think that you might be able to count on DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson down the stretch despite the tougher defenses. Now, whether or not I'm counting on DJ Moore as a wide receiver too gets me a little out there. He has been better recently after having a swoon midseason, so we'll just see if he can build on that, but it's hard to trust them week to week sometimes. Just because unless they break something big, they're not finding the end zone as often as wide receivers. So you're counting on the yards, and when they're not pushing the ball down the field as much, that kind of hurts you. So it's harder to trust these guys as top 20 wide receivers week to week unless you see the matchup. And even then, it's hard to know which one of them is going to find the end zone. Case in point, it's been Curtis Samuel a bit this year. So I kind of find them all on that flex, on, on that wide receiver 2-3 line as far as that goes. I'd love to see Teddy Bridgewater back to kind of give a little bit more continuity to the offense and maybe have a little bit more chance of a long touchdown. But P.J. Walker is serviceable. So I think you can kind of continue to roll with the Carolina receiving core as long as you have the appropriate expectations. Now, I mentioned that the Carolina Panthers weren't running the ball very dominantly, although they did still run the ball with 19 carries on 64 yards for Mike Davis and 34 carries overall. Now, five of those were P.J. Walker, you know, getting two yards. So it wasn't a dominant performance by any means. Mike did get the touchdown. It does seem like he is the dominant back without Christian McCaffrey in there. So unlike other backup situations where they go to a more committee-type role, Carolina still leans on that one back a bit more than you would think in that type of scenario. So keep rolling Mike Davis out there. I know it hasn't been in a really high upside situation, but I guess, I'm guessing there's people out there that are rolling much worse running back situations out there week to week. So you can kind of count on Mike as long as Christian McCaffrey's out. He's kind of week to week at this point is the latest news. So it's hard to know if he's going to be back this week or the next week probably shooting for after the bye week for week 14, which is kind of hard to trust when it's going straight into the playoffs. But I think Christian McCaffrey can overcome that. So you're holding Christian, you're using Mike in the interim, and you probably weren't counting on PJ in the first place. So let's switch over to the Detroit Lions. One of the biggest reasons I watched this game is I wanted to see why the Lions got shut out. 
And, you know, it was really hard for the Lions to have long drives today. And really, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. P.J. Walker was intercepted twice in the end zone. So this could have been a lot, lot worse as far as the score goes. So the fact that it was only 20 to nothing, it's kind of weird to think that Detroit should be thankful for that. But I can tell you that it felt like Matthew Stafford was still okay. And it felt like he still had enough to be delivering the ball. Certainly, there was a little bit of inaccuracy that you're not used to seeing with him because of the injury. But it really felt like Detroit got out coached today. It felt like the Carolina defense had their number. They knew what they were going to do, and they were stopping it. They were playing tight coverage. They were getting to Matthew Stafford. They were blitzing at the right times. It really felt like they had been out-strategized in this game, and it showed. And I got to think that the Detroit coaching staff is on the way out. I don't think that Detroit should have won this game necessarily, but they should have had more than this. And they should have had more to be able to stop P.J. Walker on defense, too, because they have pieces, especially on defense, and they have them on offense, too. I mean, I know they've been missing Kenny Galladay for a big part of the year, and certainly we want to see him back for Matthew Stafford. But, man, I expected to see Matthew Stafford not being able to throw the ball. And what I found is he was throwing the ball into really, really tight coverage, and he was getting blitzed, and they weren't able to establish the run. They didn't have DeAndre Swift, and it was just a – Big, 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 big mess. The other thing I saw was a whole lot of drops. Now, granted, the balls weren't right on the money, so maybe that was where the injury came on, is that it was hard and it wasn't right on them. But still, it felt like it was an out-coaching thing on top of that, too. It just didn't help that they were dropping balls and that they weren't coming through for their quarterback. Hawkinson had a couple of third downs that he didn't pick up because of that. I saw Peterson drop one. I mean, they all had the drops. And granted, like I said, it wasn't right on the money all the time. So maybe that's where the injury factored in for Matthew. But I just did not like the effort level. Kind of seemed like Detroit kind of quit on the coaching staff a little bit too. So that's something we're going to need to monitor because there's definitely going to be some people counting on Matthew Stafford. But this is the problem with counting on a quarterback for fantasy purpose that does not run the ball. Because, I mean, as spry as Matthew looks back there, he's doing an all right job of of negotiating the pocket. It's still not a situation he's going to be breaking off more than 20 yards in a game. And maybe, just maybe, he scores a touchdown, but those are not things you can count on. And when you can't count on that and the Detroit Lions struggle, you can see what happens to the passing totals and then the fantasy value plummets. There's not as much insulation from games like this where they're not as successful throwing the ball. Now, next week, it's the Texans. Certainly an easier matchup there, and and it will be a get-right game in front of everybody. So at least there's that for this team, and at least it's not David Blau going out there like last week. And hopefully Maddie came through with this. I didn't see anything on the wire that said he wasn't going to play in this game. So for the sake of the nation that's going to be watching this game, I hope he plays. You know, on the way out, Texans, Bears, Packers, Titans, Buccaneers. So – Packers, Titans, Buccaneers for the playoffs, and then finally the Vikings in Week 17, should that count for your league. But still, for most leagues, it's going to be 14, 15, 16, and man, Titans, Buccaneers in those money rounds. I don't like seeing that, especially the Buccaneers. You know, Titans haven't been that good, but at the same time, they take the air out of the ball on the other side, which leads to lower passing totals overall. So I don't like that. And then for Maddie on the Packers side, they do a good job of covering the pass. So with Detroit not able to dominate them in the run, it doesn't mean that, I, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be targeting Maddie in any three of those matchups. 
And really, I'm hoping that I've gotten out of all of my Detroit options at this point because they really didn't look good. And I'm not particularly hopeful as far as the rest of it goes. Now, there probably weren't, there probably wasn't a lot you were counting on from Detroit outside of Matthew. And today it would have been Marvin Jones because Marvin has been filling in somewhat admirably for Kenny Galladay. And, you know, Marvin had a long touchdown negated by a penalty. Apparently it was an illegal formation on a beautiful throwback play that Matthew hit. And, uh, you know, obviously that would have pushed his day into a lot better scenario. And, you know, it, with, with being the lower volumes and with the lack of continuity on the offense, it's just a desperation play for those that need a wide receiver too or need a flex. There's a 12-team league that I'm desperate and I need him there. So, uh, But, you know what, I have Kenny Galladay there too. So it's a question of, is Kenny the number one? Is Marvin the number one? When Kenny is in there, he has the best ball control. He has the best catch radius, the best ability to go up and get it. And this offense needs that a good deal. So I expect Kenny, to when he comes back, to be all right and to be able to step in and help this offense. But either way, with it not being a big-time passing offense anymore, I'm not as excited about either of them, and I'm hoping that I don't have to deal with either of them going forward. But if you have to, I had to watch this game to see, does Matthew Stafford have enough fastball to help these guys? And I think he does. So if you've gotten that far with him and you have to rely on him, I can tell you that it's not all bad. If Matthew Stafford can just put the ball on him a little bit better, I think there will be better days for Detroit. But just that schedule overall really scares me. Now, there was another thing to the Detroit loss today. They didn't have DeAndre Swift. And really, he had offered them a dynamic component to their offense. So I try not to ding them too hard by not having him. You know, you should, it should never be locked up in one player as far as your dynamic plays for the offense. But still today, without him in there, you could tell that they were hurting. I mean, they only ran the ball for 40 yards on 17 carries. They split that between Adrian Peterson and carry on without DeAndre Swift in there. And neither one of them looked to have much on the day. Carolina did a really good job of shutting that down and then forcing the Detroit to pass. And they played tight coverage then too. So it was just an overall really great performance by Carolina. I thought it was going to be a situation where it was on Maddie and the running game and the rest of it. But really, I just thought Carolina outcoached him and outplayed him today. So I'm trying not to ding Matthews too hard, especially when they're playing the Texans next week. But DeAndre Swift is going to suffer from the same things that the offense did. They're going to have that tough schedule. I just think that DeAndre is a little bit better insulated because they know they need him, and they run and they pass it with him. So it doesn't matter the game script for him. If they get up, they use him. If they get down, they use him. So I'm a little bit more excited about that. It was just tough not to have him today. And then to have the offense crap the bed like this certainly doesn't give you as much confidence to start these options as you might want. But that's why I watched this game just to see, okay, is Matthew Stafford done? And should we go ahead and divest from the Detroit options like we should the Bengals options? And no, I think Matthew will be back. And I think he'll show us something on the big stage on Thursday. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. If you've got to this point and you haven't downloaded, download so I know you're there. Apparently, listens don't count. Downloads do, so help me out. And uh, go out there, win your league with this information, and have a great rest of your day.